Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And this week, we're going to bring you two cases that made us mad. So we just decided to make our theme, this will piss you off. Yep. That's our theme. It's the best theme because it, they're, it's accurate. I think this might actually be my favorite. I, when you were saying like, oh, this case is going to piss you off, I was like, OMG, I had noted in here to give you the heads up that my case is going to really piss you off. So it was perfect. And thus, the piss you off baby was born. Yes. Well, Amber, what do you have for us today? Oh, no, I might sneeze. Just talking about it scares it away. Carry on, my friend. There we go. We're good. Like I said, this case is going to make you angry. It's going to piss you off, people. Okay, I know nothing about this. This is a very extreme child abuse case. Wow, great. um, Gee, thanks. Throw us right back into work. I'm telling you. We just worked for eight hours today. Why not just keep it going? The reason that I decided to do this case is because of the things that happen, like the extreme way that this child fell through the cracks in in the system. And bear with me because I'll probably cry like a little baby through this. Every time I've done research on this, I'm like, you know, super emotional. Right. Because it's just so horrible what happened. I think sometimes it's hard for us to hear cases like this because we know we work within the system and we know how it's supposed to be. Um, I know when I was watching the 2020 special on Friday night about the Turpin uh, family and how the adult children got thrown into inner city. I mean, no resources. They were by themselves. There's it's just so sad the way that laws are written and the way that the system is not built to help people succeed sometimes. And we know that. Mm-hmm. We work within the system. The system is not perfect. I wish that we could keep bringing about, I mean, we do bring about change, but we recognize even as as the workers, I mean, I was a foster care worker for many years and I was very frustrated on a daily basis for the way that the mm-hmm. laws are written. So... Now, this case is going to kind of flip things around just a little bit. Um, Ironically, this is a case where, and this is why I wanted to do this case, because this is a case that really sets an example of why there is policy, why you do checks, why you follow through on looking into things and doing your visits and all of that. And so I want to, I'm going to make my disclaimer now, as you and I both know, we know some amazing DHS workers out there. Mm Mm-hmm. That would flip in their graves hearing some of this stuff. Yeah. Graves. They're not dead. Oh, my God. What is wrong I, with me? Wow. That went morbid quick. That's been a long day. Wow. <laughs> you haven't been alive for centuries. I know today has been long. But the all workers of our, I know are alive. That's They're right. alive. None so. of our co-workers have passed away. So let's just pretend that didn't happen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Rest in peace, no one, because you're all alive and wonderful. And, and a lot of you listen, so hello. Right. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, but there's some great workers out there. Yeah. But this is an example of how things can go terribly wrong. So okay. I'm not bashing any anyone. No, of um, course not. And as I we tell li- you. That would literally be like bashing ourselves. Right. As I tell you the story, you're going to 
even though it's not okay what happened, you're going to probably see why it did happen. Okay. So there is a very morbid explanation for how this got so so out of control. Okay. Okay. And I was, a minute ago, I was trying to say bring it, and I only got the BR out and realized you were still talking. So if you guys heard that weird b- 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 in, <laughs> in your ears, that might be hard to edit out. So I'm sorry. Just We've said it many times. We are a low-budget podcast. Join our Patreon to help support us so we can get better. <laughs> I can't even get it straight that my former coworkers are still, are still alive. alive. Yeah, so yeah. this will be interesting. <laughs> Okay, so I am going to tell you the story of Layla Daniels. This is our victim. Okay. And I'm also going to throw in her sister, Millie Place. Millie. Isn't that an adorable name? name. It is. It's so cute. Um, Millie is a child survivor in this case, but she was subjected to, I think, equally as bad. I take that back. I'm not going to say equally because... Um, Layla was the younger sister. She was only two, and and she was definitely subject to the worst of it because she couldn't verbally say anything. I would like everyone to tether their souls to their body right now with whatever you have handy because it sounds like our souls could easily escape our body to avoid this. They will, and as you know, if you've listened, I'm the emotional sap. So I know, I'm shocked that you're doing this case. Sharnal might be holding me at the end, I'll, and that's right. a usual thing. I might just slap you through it and then cuddle you at the end. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's standard for me doing a case like yep. this, but yep. it's so it's just so important. I feel like it needs to be told. Absolutely. So I'm going to tell you the murderer, murderer, in this case, seriously, one of the purest form of, uh, forms of evil, I think, that exists. Someone that uses a sense of power to manipulate, to bully, to dominate and control things. Self-gratify themselves. <clears throat> self-gratification. I'm, I'm okay today, guys. I'm me, sorry. Me, t- me too. It's I been think. a very long day of investigating all day, and I'm just, uh, I'm tired. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Mama's tired over here, too. Yeah. It's been a long day. but So just forgive me in advance. So our uh, the murderer that I'm going to tell you about, her name is Jennifer Rosenbaum. Have oh, you heard see, of? see, now that name is familiar to me, but mm-hmm. I was not familiar with the victim's names. This case uh, didn't, it wasn't that long ago. This is yeah. a 2015 case. Right. Um, you might might have seen her face in I was next. a foster care worker when this was happening. Because, yeah, it was... Yeah. It was her face was out there. They're mm-hmm. both of their faces because I'm actually going to tell you about um, her husband too, Joseph, Joseph Rosenbaum. Mm-hmm. Um, I noted in here that he is a spineless, single-celled organism. Oh. So I'm like, what has no spine and kind of like feeds off of other things? And Perfect. that would be Joseph. Okay. Joseph. So we will get to him as well. The, I don't the single celled organism. Yes. Parasite. Just a cell. I mean he's okay. one cell. One cell. It did not Yeah. He has like evolve. nothing of his own like going on for Sure. Him. Okay. So no redeeming qualities. I shouldn't say whatsoever. that. Like I think he had a job or whatever, but I I didn't really look much into his history. So that, you know what? A lot of people have jobs and are still shit bags. So I'm going to chalk it up True. as no redeeming qualities. Also, some great people I know are jobless. So, you know, <laughs> same. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jennifer just because I feel like it's important that you know her background in all of this as we usually want to do. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. 
<laughs> Poor Amber's computer erased her margins. margins. And she can't follow her notes without her margins. Who knew they were so important? Yeah. English majors, that's who. You gotta have them. <laughs> so Jennifer Rosenbaum, she she did not have it easy growing up herself. Um, she was a victim of extensive child abuse. Her family was often homeless for long periods of time. She went without food and basic needs. And eventually, she was put into the system herself. She was taken away from her family. She never was um, reunited with them, to my knowledge. So she grew up basically bouncing around from home to home in the system. With some trauma herself. Sure. Later, or excuse me, earlier in a time where foster care wasn't treated exactly the same way that it is today. Yeah, because this, I mean, Jennifer was 27, I believe, at the time of this case. So Mm -hmm. this would have been in the 80s. Yeah, that she was growing up. And so rightfully, I mean, of course, we we feel good. Jesus. Sorry. (laughs) Jesus, save us. We feel (laughs) old. Amber's praying over here. I've just, I've been having these throat issues too. I'm constantly having to clear my throat. It was Um, the COVID that you survived. It was. So as we know, I mean, Jennifer went through trauma herself. And the result of that was her starting to act out as well. So she was aggressive. She did have a history. I believe there was possibly some charges on her record, and I couldn't find out what they were. But So this is untreated trauma. She Yes. Okay. She had a rough growing up, and she was acting out because of it. And so, you know, we know that that is very common. And a part of in this, these we, cases. we have to, right. We have to acknowledge that it is a part of it. Yes. Although many people experience this and then do not grow up to carry on the same cycle that of is abuse, true. but there are people who do. It can't be ignored. So the unique thing about Jennifer is she actually does grow up and kind of comes out of the system doing pretty well. Okay. For herself on the surface, okay. I, I will say. Um, she did go into the to the Army National Guard, and she was able to get into the Emirate Law School in Atlanta, which from my wow. understanding is pretty prestigious. Yeah. So she had some things going for her. Sounds like it. She was pursuing a graduate degree, and so through her work at the law school, she was able to... Um, start making a face in the community. She was really proactive about being involved in things and getting involved in politics and using social media to, you know, to do that. Be a platform. Okay. And so in her ambitious, you know, pursuits, she was able to become an aide for a state representative, uh, Mike Dudgeon, who was able to give her a reference to start working at the court, at the probate court. Okay. So he was like, yes, she's great. Hire her. And so this was Henry County, by the way. So it was the Henry County Probate Court. Oh, I thought the dude's name was Henry County. That would have been awesome. Okay. All right. I wish it was. (laughs) Henry is the name of the county. Yes. And she, courthouse that she worked at. Correct. And so the judge was Kelly Smith Powell at the time that she was working under. She also, through this internship, became very acquainted with the district attorney at the time, who was Mary Evans Battle. So, what a name right? for a DA! It sounds like a like a DA, like badass Absolutely. name. Absolutely, Mary Evans Battle. So <laughs> it does. It's, it's intense. Just, yeah. If I saw that I was up against that name, I'd be like, oh. 
For sure. No, my name's not intimidating at all. Right. As a matter of fact, I had someone tell me today it was cute. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So through the court connection, uh, Jennifer was able to build some pretty good relationships with some powerful people, and she sounds like it loved that. Okay. Well, I'm sure she felt very powerless in her childhood, so this really helped give her something she's never felt before and probably always craved, just a little bit of power and control over her life. And so I feel like as she's kind of working her way up, this is feeling so good to her, that image of being this like ambitious, successful person that made it out of the system. I'm sure that felt good. Of course. Right? It'd feel good to anyone. She also did meet her husband, Joseph Rosenbaum, Mm -hmm. and he actually had cystic fibrosis. So she became active in like um, support groups and being active for, you know, cystic fibrosis and, you know, all of this building this really amazing image of this kind, caring person. Mm -hmm. Because Joseph had this, this condition, which my understanding, it's hereditary, He wasn't able to have children of his own. And so that was my understanding, like a missing piece for Jennifer, that she wanted children. You know, what better way to complete this picture of a successful woman with, you know, this husband that she supports. Of course. We got to get some children. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let's bring in those foster babies. Bring in the babies. So she didn't, because they couldn't have children of their own. That is something that she wanted to look into was fostering. Was that because of his cystic fibrosis or? Yes. Okay. My, to my knowledge, he wasn't able to physically have um, his own children biologically. They pursue becoming foster parents. So as the couple begin to look into fostering, they submit their application to what is called in Georgia DFACS, and that is the Division of Family and Children's Services. So like our our DHS up here, DHHS. Okay. Yep. And, our, and just so you guys know, up here, it's called Department of Health and Human Services. Yep. So same concept, but they call it the, what I found, it's referred to DFACS uh, in Georgia. Okay. So they submit their, their application, and Jennifer used her maiden name in that application so when it's submitted, it naturally pulls up her, her foster background. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, as you probably know already, because of her um, record and her extensive involvement with foster care, the fact she was abused as a child, all of this led into her being denied for the application and the explanation being that because she was in the system herself, because she had abuse in her history, that they typically don't grant um, approval for fostering because of that high risk of the reoffense. Correct. So she was denied that application Mm -hmm. on attempt number one. So shortly after this attempt, Jennifer decides to try again because this girl's not taking no for an answer. Sure, she's powerful. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what she decides to use because she has all of these connections with the court system Mm -hmm. like they're not going to tell her no of course so she tries again they submit another application and this time they use her married name i wondered if you were gonna say that yeah so what happens with this one though is it doesn't even get to the point of that because she comes in miley cyrus style like a wrecking ball and (laughs) naked just swinging away on a gigantic metal ball yes in an unflattering white always get up yes um no she comes in 
calling defects like listen this is who I am oh this is who I know oh and I'm not somebody you want to mess with so this needs to get approved like she comes immediately in with these calls oh there's no red flags there no not at all wow and she she also, was, wouldn't her social security number be tied to her la- her maiden name? You would think so, but I, mean, I, I will, know we collect it. This I will Michigan. It will make sense here in a minute. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna. Say oh it no, quietly. no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, because I was thinking that too. I'm like that shouldn't matter because no. if they're doing an extensive background check, it yeah. shouldn't. It like, sh- it'll still show, right? Yeah. But so this one, the second attempt, it doesn't get that far because she's so rude. So amazing that the application is denied for that reason. Okay. She keeps so they saw those red flags. Okay. Yeah. I think just the the simple attitude, the pushiness, the demands, and like, you know, I'm not somebody you want to mess with attitude. It was like, okay, we're not doing that. We're not going to trust children with you when you are who do you think you're messing with sort of of uh, personality yeah. there. She loved that that power that sense of power that yeah. she got. I don't think the application even got to the processing point of a, a background check at this level because she was so unbearable. They're like, no, no, nope, mm-hmm. not doing it. So after two application denials, um, she still was determined that she was going to foster children and she keeps trying. Now and- it's probably less <laughs> about actually wanting to help children and more about her own power and control of I, the situation. I do think that absolutely it was. And after you hear all this, you know, my afterthought was, why the heck, other than to do what she did, why she wanted these children, other than to do what she did and fit that image that she so wanted. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jennifer was savvy. She knew the law. She did know, you know, what she was doing. And so part of what she did, she was master manipulator. So she was going to find some way to still get around these loopholes and, and foster. So part of Jennifer's internship with the probate court was she observed the hearings that took place. So foster care hearings, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole show, the review hearings, removals, mm-hmm. you know, all of, so all of those probate court events she would sit in on. Okay. And so she was able to see those cases that children were in the system and in, in foster care, which was an advantage for her. In April of 2015, Jennifer happened to see a name that she recognized on the schedule for one of the foster care hearings. The woman's name was Tessa Daniels, and that's somebody that she had actually grown up with in foster care. She was in a home at one point with this woman. Okay. Um, girl at the time. Wow. So she was like, okay, I recognize, you know, who this is. Unfortunately, Jennifer did grow up to have some success. Tessa did not. So she got very heavily into drugs, a lot of methamphetamine, and so she struggled. Ends up getting her children removed. She ends up getting her children removed, and they're placed in the system. It was a pretty extensive situation. And just to clarify, Tessa is the mother of Layla and Millie. Wow. And Oh, my gosh. These little girls are so beautiful. When you see them, your heart is going to... Just completely mm-hmm. shatter. I They're feel like so I, beautiful. I know where we're going and what she might have done to be able to get these yeah, girls. You probably do. So at the time of the hearing that Jennifer is able to observe, there's definitely barriers with this case. Um, there's no family support. Grandma was willing to take Millie, who was four at the time, okay. but didn't feel like she could handle Layla and Mil- Millie a four at the and same a two-year-old. Time, which, okay. okay, that happens. Sure. Yeah. 
dads were incarcerated. Yeah. So there just wasn't a lot of options. Yeah. So that just that does factor into this as yeah. well. I'm just going to throw it out there that even if she was an intern, I feel like there would be a conflict of interest for her to have even sat in on that. Was it a removal hearing that she was sitting in on or a review hearing? My understanding that the hearing that I'm going to tell you about when she discovers it would be it was a placement review hearing because okay. there was multiple issues with placements. With placements, with the girls. okay, yes, yeah. I just feel like she should have recused herself, simply knowing, hey, she was one of my foster siblings growing up. We were in the same home together. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she saw she saw this as her loophole to yeah. get in. Because she's like, okay, I know this girl, and I have these connections to the DA and to the court, and the, she was in with the judge. So this was her. She saw the window. Mm. So I want to just give you a little bit of a picture of what these poor babies went through. And we've seen this happen, you know, similar situations before. But like I said, placement was an issue. Grandma would only take Millie, and there were very little options for biological family. Yeah, it sounds like the supports were not there. Yes. Family supports. So what they ended up having to do was they used temporary placements. Um, yeah, which to, has to happen. I mean, yeah, these kids have to, to go somewhere. So for, it's like, know. I don't, fa- I mean, I get it. I, yeah. We've seen that we've, happen. There's no options. There. Mm-hmm. So they are placed with a family. And about a week later, the family discovers, like, this is too much. We can't do this. So their girls have to be moved again. Mm-hmm. A two and a four-year-old is is mm-hmm. a lot of work. And a two and a four-year-old that has been through it and has trauma. Yeah. And they don't have the language for it. Guys, it's a lot. They are not typically developing two and four-year-olds usually coming out of situations like this. And I think that is a lot of what happened with some of the placements that were like, oh, this I just can't do this. Because Millie was described by one of the families that I'll get to as very adult-like and very much like a caretaker of Layla because Layla was nonverbal at the time. She wasn't speaking and she was acting out quite a bit rightfully. Yes. But she doesn't have any language. So of course she's acting out. She's got to get that. She has to communicate somehow. Yeah. We have an innate, it's innate within us to communicate Mm -hmm. verbally and nonverbally. And when you don't have the verbal skills, you will do it nonverbally. Yep. So she was having behaviors she was being tossed around, and I, I want to mention also that before the girls were placed um, out of their mother's care, their mother was so actively using that she was leaving them. Like, she left the girls for, like, a year with a family friend. She had a very transient lifestyle, so the girls were, were tossed around before. Hence why Millie is so care t- mm-hmm. in such a caretaking role yeah. of her little sister. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So these girls had been through so much before they even entered the system, and now you're seeing them just being tossed around again. I'm not faulting the worker for that. I mean, we know that it, you got to find a place to put right, them. Exactly. I've so, spent the night with kids that I've removed before mm-hmm. because there was no place, no placement yet to be able to take them, and so it's on the worker. You sleep in the office with the kids. Like people do not realize that yeah. they they just think that these workers. Just to clock in and clock right. out. They have no concept. And that is that is not, not the at fault all. of the worker. I mean, you no. can't help it if a family all of a sudden is like, sorry, we can't do this mm-hmm. a week later. No. Like, they have right. to do something. Yep. So the girls were placed with another family that actually were interested in adopting eventually, if that was going to be the outcome. If it was going to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. However, um, I believe it was Millie's father, like, briefly got out of uh, jail and grandma was somehow involved in the family was told the foster family 
specifically that the bio family couldn't have the contact during this process unless it was approved and somehow grandma and Millie's dad manipulated the situation to take Millie and then they like took off with her. Oh shit. So after this happens, that family is like, we can't deal with this. No, like right, this is right, too right, much. Right. We obviously can't adopt her because they'll, this is going to be an issue. Right. Because mm-hmm. grandma also like, despite being unable to take both girls still wanted to be involved. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the family. Sometimes was... we see that where, and honestly, there are times where we see it where the grandparents want it more than the parents themselves do. And so they think that what they're doing is helping when really what they're doing is enabling and prolonging the situation for these children in care. Yeah. And I, and obviously intervening and trying to with the foster yes. family. So yeah. they were like, sorry, we can't do this. So the I girls are it. taken out again. Yeah. And placed. There was another, there was a family member at that point that had stepped up. And the same thing, like, they were like, okay, we'll take the girls. And then, like, a week later, they're like, we can't do it. This is too much. Yeah. And honestly, no judgment on them. Until you guys have really been there and put yourself in that position, you should not judge people who have to make that call and say, I'm so sorry, but we have to move these kids. It would be so hard to just to do and go through. But that's, like, four or five homes now that we've been through. That's tragic. And that's after being tossed around to various people before that. So right. I just wanted you to get a picture of what these little girls went through. And so many people want to want to cast stones on the system and judge foster parents that do things like this and whatnot. And, and seriously, until all I can say <laughs> is until you have lived it, breathed it, ate it, been there, you have no right to judge these situations because you have no idea how damn hard it is to take in children of trauma that do, don't belong to you yet. I mean, you want to love all the babies. And, and a lot of them, they do. They grow this special place in, in the foster parent's heart or adoptive parent's heart, whatever. But until you have been there and seen how how even one child, let alone two, can disrupt the harmony of the whole home because of what they've been through. And if you can't navigate it, you can't navigate it. Mm -hmm. And you could put yourself in a situation where you end up doing something that you shouldn't. Yeah. You know, so good. Honestly, kudos to those parents that were strong enough to say, I'm sorry, this is not a good fit. Mm -hmm. I just, I, you know, I just can't. Like in a perfect world, we would have a perfect placement for every single child that had to go into care. Right. And but we just don't. Yeah, and it's just when I when you think about what the girls went through in all of this and it's it's just so sad in the outcome of everything. It's so sad. It makes me question the world. They're continuously re victimized. Yeah. Every and that's single like time. Whole li- I mean, yep. Layla's just life. tossed around. Yes. Where no sense of belonging, no sense of home. Yeah. Ugh. So as as I mentioned, this is where you know, leading up to that point of so many placements and just not having a lot of options, this is where Jennifer saw her, her opportunity in because they, sure. they have another placement hearing because they're, you know, there's such a struggle. And um, so what ends up happening is Jennifer discovers that she could possibly slither through by being established as fictive kin. Of course. And I knew this is where this was going. I figured you did. So, uh. and she knew that this was a completely different process in the system than going through the yep. the hoops the to be a foster to be a foster parent. Mm-hmm. Correct. 
So this is what she decides she's going to do. And the laws and rules are different, especially Mm -hmm. about backgrounds. They are. And the other piece of this is she uses those connections to also help very heavily persuade the situation. Of course. Um, She does ask for her supervisor from the DA's office for her help in contacting Tessa. Miss Battle? Uh, yeah, Miss Miss Battle. I don't know if it, they, it said supervisor, so I don't know. What, I'm assuming oh. it was her. Okay. But it could have been somebody else from the DA office, mm-hmm. but that still just sounds really intimidating. Yeah, yeah she went to Miss Battle. Right. So, so she asks for help in making that connection to Tessa's worker. I think I said Tessa first, but it was actually her worker to explain that she was very passionate and very interested in fostering Tessa's girls she knew Tessa mm-hmm. dropped her DA you know name of dropped course. I'm sure and that, I've got all kinds of references for yeah. you and wanted to make contact with Tessa directly <clears throat> that that ends up happening she does contact Tessa she reaches out and says listen I you know remember you Tessa during her test when she testifies didn't sound like she really remembered Jennifer hmm. Interesting. She been on drugs but, for a while, right? <laughs> but, right, right. Um, girl been whooping yeah, it up, yeah. But D- Jennifer definitely remembered her, so she put that out there. Like, listen, you know, I want to help you. We've been through the same thing. We know the system. Like, I want to be there for your girls. And because of all of this stuff that the girls have already gone through, Tessa's like originally thinks this is such a blessing. Of course, which of course, she of course, would. she would, absolutely, and. Up until, you know, what happens, she really does appear to be uh, the perfect situation. That she is, does. I mean, she's an upstanding citizen. She is. She's upper middle class. She, you know, yeah, appears. Yeah, she's got a great job. Of course, she's willing to take these two. And Tessa even, when testify, testifying, <laughs> when testifying, they asked her, like, why did you think, you know, what made you think that they were okay? And she said... She said, I looked at their pictures on Facebook, and they looked like really upstanding people. They looked, you know, like they were involved in all this stuff, her position. like Absolutely. She's a struggling parent's wet dream. Yeah, right and that's there. why we, do, we don't trust Facebook pictures, no. people. Catfish. There's See our tall, hot, blonde episode. Yes. By the way. There are things behind the scene you never, you know, can take those for. No. Absolutely Like that not. life is perfect and okay. You're and staring at me right now and you know what my Facebook profile is. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Charnel, is that you? can trust my memes because those are genuine. Yes. Like absolutely. those are quality. Yep, me too. Gifts to you. Yes. <laughs> Any pictures of my kids? But, unfiltered. Yes. I love them. They're adorable. Me. Uh, it's you. soft lighting filter uh only to the right yes. always yes yes tasteful <laughs> cleavage no <laughs> which is what i look like all the time no <laughs> yes actually what's funny is in the podcast studio you do because we have very shitty lighting in here so it's always like dinner lighting it's the best <laughs> yes you didn't even see my zit the other day which i couldn't amazing. nope i had no idea but yeah so tessa feels like this is uh, this is a great thing and this woman wants to help her so much of course so she's all about it why wouldn't she be? Anyone yeah. would be. I don't. Seriously. Yeah. Tessa was also facing some pretty hefty things. She was pregnant with her third child. She was looking. She was looking at extensive uh, period of incarceration for drug charges and of other course. things that had happened. Yeah. So she knew that she was probably going to be going away for a while. 
and wanted, I mean, I think she loved her girls as best she could. Of course, I know. So she wanted to know they were cared for. Yeah. And so this sounded like the perfect setup for them. I'm glad that she cared enough to want to make sure that they were well cared for yeah. when she couldn't in this yeah. situation. It's hard. I know that's a dicey area for people to hear, but it's hard. So a little bit about the fictive kin placement. I know you kind of, you knew this was coming, but for those of, the, of you that don't know, um, so for somebody to be considered for this type of placement, they are supposed to be like a relative or very similar to a relative that has mm-hmm. had extensive involvement with the with children. The children. Yeah. And this was not the case. Like Jennifer no. remembered Tessa from foster care, but she didn't know these girls. Tessa at barely all. remembered her. Yeah. Right. Or the girls. Of course. But right. Yeah. So like there there was this was not the situation or even Mm-mm. close to it. Mm-mm. It wouldn't meet the definition in under Michigan law. And when the trial comes up and those documents are examined, there is a very little explanation as to why they picked uh the Rosenbaums as a fictive, fictive kin placement. Other than desperation? Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that that, f- for defects, was the case. It was, they were desperate. They have this woman that appears on the surface to be pretty upstanding, wanting these kids. Why wouldn't they do it? Yeah. So it's like, like I said, I get some of this. And they're like, oh, it's really not in the law about being foster siblings, if that qualifies you as parent, as, um, family or not so yeah we're mom's okay with it they're okay with it we're going with it right mm-hmm. so on the stand uh, so samantha white is the worker in this case that okay. works for defects and then her supervisor they both are subpoenaed in this case obviously and um I've been there oh. so they they ask like why did you like what was the reason and samantha basically says they thought Jennifer would be a good option because of her experience in the system. She worked with the court. Yeah. Um, they did know she had been in foster care. Like, I'm sure Jennifer, in her way, used that manipulation of, like, this, and I've been through the system, and look where I am now. Right. Mary I Battle. Can, I can, yeah, like, right. You know. I can help these girls thrive like that, like I have. And so and that's exactly what Samantha says. Like, she appeared to be someone that beat the odds and did you know, come out of the system successful. And hopefully that is what you would want for them to do is also then help transcend that down to these two little girls. Right. So, I mean, in a sense, they overlooked those expectations for the fictive kin placement because they thought it would be the best for the girls. Right. And like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head, desperation. Yeah. Yeah. And there really isn't a a caveat in the law that says foster siblings doesn't make you family Mm -hmm. necessarily. So it's just in that case, they could get it completely approved through best interest of the children. Yeah. I mean, really. So I also want to mention that there was heavy pressure coming from the judge, the DA's office, like they were pressuring defects to place these girls with Jennifer. Okay. Because she was working her, you know, getting the words in. So they were making calls and suggesting that these girls be placed. That was another part of this. Okay. So. That's on the court. Right? You said the court was pressuring defects. Yes. Yeah. Now, during this time, um, the girls had been placed with another temporary placement to figure this, you know, piece out. And so that was the Lambert family. So the girls are with the Lamberts, and they decide they're going to start overnight visits with the Rosenbaums. Like, okay, this is we're pushing for this placement. Let's start Let's those start visits. Let's start transitioning. Yep. So they do that. They start these overnight visits. And so when the children were returned from the first overnight visit, 
Mrs. Lambert, I, I got to say, Mrs. Lambert was like on top of it. Okay. She's, She's very in thorough. Tune. She took, took like, um, she kept like documented notes of the, like what the girls looked like after visits. She kept, you know, okay. record. But she noticed when the girls came back, they were, they had burn marks, they had bruises. They what? had, yeah, after like right away. So she calls defects and, you know, says she has concerns. She calls twice and gets no call back. So she finally, what, what she ends up doing is taking the girls up there personally. Like, listen, they need to be looked at. I have these concerns. I'm questioning if the Rosenbaums are able to provide proper care and, yeah. so, and documenting these things. I wasn't expecting it from right out of the gate. <laughs> I know. That got me, too. Like, this was immediate that things started happening. Red flags started popping immediately. So like I said, she brings the girls in to be examined. Samantha White does examine the girls. Photos are taken. And she notes, Samantha notes in her report that the bruises were pretty much gone by then. And so she doesn't identify any concerns at that time and basically explains that from what Jennifer had said, the girls were being rambunctious. There was an encounter with like another kid at a, a park or something. And that's how Layla had the more substantial bruising. So they're like, oh, this is what happened. And so it was explained away. Correct. Okay. My understanding is, you know, when there's injuries, you're supposed to open an investigation. Mm-hmm. And so that was that did not happen. There was a report okay. written, but the, it was explained like there's no concerns. And so the investigation wasn't actually completed at that time. Okay. And you're going to see this pattern oh, th- boy. throughout the course. You're right. This is going to piss me off. <laughs> you get ready because it just goes downhill from here. Okay. They're cleared. No issues. Visits uh, continue for, a, there's a couple more visits. Every time the girls come back, they have bruising. And so Mrs. Lambert, she, like I said, she's documenting these things. She very vocally uh, um, addressed her concerns and they were basically chalked up as like rambunctious kids getting bruises which it happens, but I mean, but come we're, on, we're every time document of this and not connecting the dots. Yeah, I think for me, I'm even more pissed off because I literally spent my entire eight-hour work day today and a little bit and then some investigating something very, very similar that I'm just like, okay, mm-hmm. like you can't do your job. So as this is going on, despite red flags popping up immediately. That push from the court, that push from the DA's office, um, those girls are are pushed right into the Rosenbaum home. Like, they're placed. Wow. So even, you know, Mrs. Lambert. Even with these concerns. Yes. Mrs. Lambert, I got to give her credit. She tried. Yeah, she it tried. sounds like it. She reported everything and addressed, like, I'm, I don't know that this is a place that they can give them the proper care or supervision. Yeah, that a no, two and a four-year-old need. Those. And if you have a four-year-old that's primarily caring for a two-year-old, bruises can happen mm-hmm. accidentally, too, of just the four-year-old parenting, over-parenting, and improperly parenting the, the two-year-old. Right. But still, that, you know, could go back to a supervision issue as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, that's I mean, not, it's not appropriate. Mrs. Lambert, kudos for trying. Yeah. Because she saw the red flags right away. But it sounds like what they did is did what their policy says you have to have so many overnight visits before you transition into the full yeah. placement. Meanwhile, so what Jennifer was doing as these visits are occurring is she's telling Mary Battle, she's telling the judge, 
that these girls are coming to her house covered in bruises and injuries. Of course she is. Mm -hmm. And that that she's concerned. So I'm sure that that kind of had something to do with the push, like, uh, you know, get these girls to the Rosenbaums. Like, we need to get this going. Yeah, because we're going to believe this upstanding court worker over a a foster parent who sounds like is I bet... I would put money on that the Lambrights were not new to foster parenting. I would too. Yeah. This sounds like a woman who knows, she knows what, what to, to look, look for. for. And and when she gives her testimony, I keep saying testimony, but when she testifies in court, mm-hmm. um, she did seem very knowledgeable of the expectations of like, yes, absolutely, you would document and report these things. Yep. You know. This was not her first placement. This mm-hmm. is not her first rodeo. So she tried. It's amazing that they would believe someone who's brand new to this and has never had children placed with them before over someone who's, I'm sorry, she's clearly been doing it. So Layla and Millie, they're placed with the Rosenbaums. Mm-hmm. It's official. They, they're they able to slide through with that fictive Kim placement. And immediately upon placement, Jennifer has this in her hands now. She's got the control she sends out an email to Tessa and to Grandma, the bio grandma. Yeah. Um, without any consent to do this, any permission, nothing at all. She sends an email out immediately saying that visits are suspended for 30 days because, you know, per the judge, we want to give them time to adjust to their new home. So um, was that in the court order for the placement? No. Oh, okay. she does does this on her own. No. It's not questioned by them, and it's probably because of her status with the court. So they right they take it, it they believe it yeah they take it like it's gospel. So automatically, that's what we're starting out with. Like, okay, I'm oh taking control of this, and, and then is it used against them that they didn't see them? That she, mom didn't see them for. Sounds like you know a master oh manipulator. My God. So oh, I am pissed. Isn't it? It's it makes me. It is just it's maddening, but. The, the the extent of her manipulation is, uh, it's like an art. And I don't mean that as a compliment, but, like, she's so freaking evil and good at this. Sociopathic. Yes. Okay. So she does. She's telling, you know, the court, they're not showing up. Mm-hmm. You know the drill. I sure do. Oh, I want to cunt punch them all. Oh, so deserve uh, an uppercut, right? Absolutely, right up there, right, right <laughs> up there, with a glove, right up main main street with no lube, yes, and a very very rough textured tre- textured glove. Yes, very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, chafing so, will happen. We hope so. So Samantha White, she did report that she was seeing the children monthly for visits and, sure. and checks. Um, Layla would be undressed to be examined and then Millie, she would verbally talk to, and I believe there was examination with her too. We'll get back to that. Okay. And just so you guys know, it is pretty standard monthly visits. Sometimes it's, it is twice a month. It just depends on the category, um, too. Correct. Yeah. So that was, I mean, she was doing her, her visits Mm -hmm. at first. Um, so in early September of 2015, there was a noticeable bruise on Layla. So when questioned, J- Jennifer explained that another child child at daycare had hit Layla. And so Samantha White at this time did contact the school and verified that Samantha, or I'm sorry, that Layla was at school. She verified that, that Layla was attending the school, but she didn't verify or confirm like the injury, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I think it yeah. was like, oh, okay, so she goes, okay, cool. 
she she was attending. Okay. So she documents no concerns on that visit. Okay. No report is, is done for the bruising. Miss White, are we having an off day? We are having an off life. I want to re- rewind back just a little bit to August of 2015 because what had happened at that point, the Rosenbaums had a neighbor. I didn't put her name in. A close neighbor that saw Jennifer with Layla like coming home outside, and she noticed that Layla had two noticeable black eyes what yes and i'm gonna give you guys a trigger warning this gets so bad okay so bad appreciate that um but so she notices that layla has two black eyes and she obviously goes out to see what's wrong the the neighbor was an er nurse as well she had like an er oh okay yeah so she sees that that layla's noticeable you know, has notable, noticeable bruising, and she's like, what is going on? Is she okay? Jennifer plays this card all the time of she had a visit with her foster mom or her biological mom. She's a drug, a- drug addict. She fell down the stairs at this visit. Oh my God. So just completely, I mean, any yep. opportunity that Jennifer had, she was using this. Like, uh-huh. I'm the foster mom. They I'm had the, a visit. I am the hero. Yeah. They're the villain. We're trying to get these girls, and they still have to see their family, and they're coming back bruised. And, you know, meanwhile, like I said, they're not seeing their biological mother. Like, right. Uh, because she told them that visits were suspended. Yes. So... The neighbor My said, God, I know so if there was ever an incubus and succubus, it's she is a truly a succubus. Wow. Straight from Satan's anal cavity. For sure. She's horrible. Like one of the worst human beings I've ever researched. Do you know that the human body actually has two sphincters? And I think that she encompasses both, both. of them. Yeah. She is just straight from both She's of double sphincter. sphincters. <laughs> Double she has it's just the lies and manipulation it just oh my gosh um so this this woman the neighbor she recognizes the bruising looks older it doesn't look like she had just gotten back from a visit and fallen sure. down the a stairs nurse would know that she also testifies later in court that jennifer's story of layla falling down the stairs it didn't really align with the placement where, of the right, bruising. Right, where the injury was. Right. Sure. So, and she said, you know, we've seen, typically when we see these injuries come into the ER, it's due to some kind of blunt force. Right. Not like a stair injury. It would have been in other places. Yep. So she's automatically suspicious of the bruising. Um, she really stressed to Jennifer that Layla needed to be seen immediately at an ER because Layla was also appearing as very catatonic. Oh, and God. she was, like, emotionless. Okay, like a zombie. Yes. Oh, my God. She wasn't crying. This is triggering me a I little know. bit. It reminds me of a lot of cases that I'm, like, I will really, tell you, tough. I cried a lot during, like, listening to stuff about this yeah. case. Yeah. It's super emotional. Yeah. Super hard. And I know we have a lot of social workers that listen, too, yeah. so I am sure that they all have a little baby face in their mind, like I do, and cases that have been similar to this that... I'm not even going to show them. you. I'm not going to show you her until the yeah, end. Yeah, I, I don't want. I don't know that I'll be able to handle it on air anyway. Yeah, and this is a part to me. This just made my heart sink. Like this, the image of this little girl with two black eyes mm-hmm. and a swollen nose and just and appearing this, so lifeless. Yep. And this nurse that knows she knows something's something's up. up. Does she know who to report <clears throat> it to? I mean, I don't mean that she's a mandated reporter. Of course, she yeah. knows to call Child Protective Services, but. You know, when you have this manip- this person manipulating and being like, well, the courts are addressing it. You know, it's, you know, it's just one of those. This is unfortunately one of the 
tragic pieces of this case. So what happens is the nurse, was, like I said, she's like, you need to get her looked at immediately. Like, yeah. I'm concerned with the way she is so out of it, emotionless. You need to get her to the ER. She so needs help. Jennifer's like, yes, of course. Well, we're doing that. We'll get right on it. And so the neighbor goes home and watches the Rosenbaum home to see if they leave. Yeah. She's like, because she's, red flags are popping. Yeah. And so she watches, and after two hours, nobody's left. Nobody's, you know, made the effort to to take, she hasn't seen Layla leave. So she goes back over to the house, knocks on the door, and is like, hey. Good for her. What's up? Like, okay. are you taking, yeah. you know, what's going on? So while the neighbor is there, she, Jennifer's like, let me make a call. We'll check this out. So she calls, like, a non-emergency medical number. I don't know if it was through her like doctor or what but so so the neighbor is there for this call and jennifer asks you know should i bring her in this is what's happened this is what's going on obviously i'll freaking lie but she tells her yeah tells them over the phone the examiner is like you can bring her in tomorrow it's not like you don't need to bring her in right away you can bring her in tomorrow the examiner over the phone that can't see that the child's acting catatonic correct so what happens at this point is Jennifer convinces the neighbor, absolutely, we're taking her tomorrow. First thing, we're going to do this. So the, the like you said, the neighbor was a mandated reporter. However, after Jennifer convinces her that she's going to do this and follow up, the neighbor kind of just leaves the situation alone. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, that's, you know, I heard what the medical person said. They're going to follow up. And so she doesn't call. Oh, shit. And that, that breaks my heart. I don't want to shame that, that nurse. I know she was concerned, but... No, but, like you, you but we're both... Called. Well, we're both mandated reporters, so yes. we know what that's what that's like. And sorry, I've made a lot of tough calls before by being a mandated reporter. It's not easy, but... No. I always think of it as, like, if this is accurate and I don't call, yeah. I have to live with I can't live, live with, with myself. Nope. Also, it's like a $25,000 fine in Michigan. Yeah. If that's proven against you. And even if you. it's a stretch and you're like, gosh, I don't have a, a lot, but if this, if there's truth to this and I don't report it, I that's, that's hard. Yep. Nope. No, thank you. And if nothing comes of it, that's on the investigators then. That's their job. That's not for me to worry about as the, you know, as right, the reporter. You did your yes. due diligence yep. and you reported it. So she does not make that call. Now, one of the things that come out during the trial for this case. I hold on, I will interrupt you for a second and just say on mandated reporters. It is only mandated if you have suspicions of abuse or neglect. It's not just like, oh, I heard from a friend from a friend. This this fits what a mandated reporter is supposed right, to do right. because she physically saw the child, had those concerns and that that completely fits the description. Right. And Jennifer Rosenbaum's troll attorney does try to argue that, well, if you were so concerned, why didn't right. you call it in? Right. Which, I mean, we're all kind of wondering that, right? Yeah, and, but we weren't the ones sitting there being manipulated by Satan himself. Right. So, And so what the the nurse says is, you know, I I saw her make that call. She said she was following up. Right. The medical examiner didn't say that she needed to come in immediately. So I trusted she was going to take her. And she believed the story that it happened on mom's watch under and knowing she's in foster care. So a foster work care worker is involved. She's not at this point in time thinking that it was the Rosenbaums, right? right. She's legitimately believing. So with that being think, said, you okay. you lead me right into the next thing that, that comes out in this trial. And this is going to give you chills. So one of the things that made the nurse 
neighbor concerned is that Jennifer had said something to the nurse's daughter just prior to getting the girls that was really disturbing. And so what she had said, my understanding is that the neighbor's daughter, I think her name was Jordan, they kind of became friends for a little bit which ended up not lasting long because there were some concerns that they saw with Jennifer. Okay. So one of the things that in one of the discussions they had, Jennifer said to Jordan is she mentioned that she was getting these girls soon and she was in foster care with their mother and her mom's a big, their mom's a big drug addict and karma's going to be a bitch because now she's got her daughters in care. Yeah. Oh, my God. So there was some kind what? of evil motive from the beginning with this. Now, the, the reason Did Tessa do anything to her in foster care? That is what I don't know, because that is never really explained if there was something that happened in foster care, because Jennifer certainly remembered Tessa. Tessa didn't really remember Jennifer. So I don't know if it was a mindset of, like, punishment for being a drug addict or if something happened when they were, you know, Yes, growing up together. in care together. But that's just Don't you such a dark, horrible some, statement. And it was probably something so stupid. If something did happen, it was something stupid like a boy probably gave Tessa attention over her or right. something like that. I mean, wow. Yeah. So I don't know what that intention was, but you know from that statement there that's was an evil. eerie as hell. It, isn't uh-uh. it? So the na- so that's the part with the neighbor, too, where it was like, she just would have called. Because she had the concerns. Yeah. Like, she knew that Jennifer had said this. Yeah. And then the bruising. And so I think the neighbor okay, was I concerned. I can't defend it anymore. I know. I'm, I'm done defending it. I was on the fence with this because I feel like in the start, she did try to yeah. intervene. But then with Jennifer. Just didn't follow through her shot. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And that's the theme of this whole freaking case. There's some follow through. But Jennifer, historically through this, is known to be this dominating, controlling person. And I think she used that to one-up whoever was trying to make that effort to squash it. And it worked. Mm -hmm. It worked every time. Wow. So, unfortunately, there was no report made on that. And she trusted that Jennifer was going to follow up and take Layla to the doctor. or the um, Yeah. ER or wherever the next day. So that was in August. So after that incident happened in September of 2015, when Samantha White went out to do another monthly visit, she sees a visible bruise on Layla's face. And it could have been healing from the other bruising, you know, because it's, I mean, there's just multiple bruises all over these girls. Oh but. my God. So she sees this bruise. She asks Jennifer what happened. And Jennifer again chalks it up to an incident that happened at daycare. Now, at this point, Samantha White oh, does follow I'm up. I'm going to get real pissed off. Don't be blaming the daycare. I know, we're bringing the daycare in now. now this shit happens all the time. So she was like, happened at daycare. Samantha does make a call to the daycare at this point. When she calls the daycare, that was the information that was provided. She was told that there's no Layla enrolled there at all because she was never enrolled in daycare. Huh. And so Samantha does go back and confront her. Well, good. I'm glad that an innocent daycare worker didn't have to get investigated. Right. And said worker have to waste their time yes. investigating. <laughs> yes. So when Samantha confronts Jennifer, Jennifer's like, oh, we switched churches. I forgot. It's this address now. This is the new provider. So here's the information. Shut your face, Jennifer. You don't know where you take the right. kid like, to daycare? Oops, I forgot. What so the f- What the f- 
And this is another example of like Samantha does some follow through until the important parts. Like the Ex- follow you know, your like, shot, Samantha. Yes. Like, Not to throw in some I'm sorry, we're in the midst of basketball season with four boys. So I'm constantly I get it. I'm I the like parent the that like yells from the shot. You know, but when you take it and you know it sucks, follow the shot. Right. And I don't know basketball, Damn but it. yeah, follow that follow shot. Follow the shot. Come on, we got to close it in. Samantha does call the second daycare, and again, she is told that Layla is not enrolled there. Of course. That they don't have a Layla there. So she does go back. She asks Jennifer, what's going on? Like, what's the deal? At this point in time, stop asking Jennifer anything and go to your freaking supervisor. the love. Seriously. Like, what the fuck? Jennifer then says... She tries to turn this around on Samantha at this point, and of she's course like, "She does well, narcissist." Oh my god, so much so. <laughs> now um, she's gonna gaslight Samantha. Oh, so much gaslighting! I actually, I think I put that in my notes somewhere because what she does is she's like, "Well, you failed to give me the proper documentation to properly register, so we're still register her, so we're still waiting on the process to finalize for her to be fully enrolled." And why did you tell me that you, she was enrolled in two different places? Exactly. You didn't say anything. In those two conversations that we had, you did not mention the paperwork. So this, ma'am, proves that you are lying. Yep. You had two different opportunities. And this is where, like I said, Samantha did her follow-up to this point. And then when, when Jennifer comes in with those, you know, trying to turn that around, this is the point where the investigation stops. So even though Jennifer was caught blatantly lying twice about... Layla's daycare enrollment. Yep. There was yep. nothing no follow further. Through. Just gives her the ball right back. That's yes. all that is. Nothing was investigated up until this point. Like she didn't um, question the injuries further, even though she knew Layla was not in the daycare. I guess she bought the, you know, well, I didn't have the right documentation, so we're waiting. So she just left it at that. So no reports done with the injury of the the bruising again. There's no. <laughs> Um, report I've lost track now at how many bruises this child has had and has gone unreported uninvestigated and so okay so we're at next the next month October 2015 and here's the other thing I will say that that the foster care workers are supposed to be viewing the children and interviewing any verbal children separately from the rest of the home the ages of three to five are are gray it's so hard to interview those kids. They have to pass a forensic, what's called a forensic interview protocol, which is basically being able to tell the difference between a truth and a lie, being able to feel comfortable correcting a, an adult if they say, if an adult says something incorrect during the interview. It's a process. And a lot of four-year-olds don't pass it. So you just end up doing this very superficial, like, oh, do you like, at, you're asking questions, but they're giving you the answers typically that you want, they think that you want to hear because as an adult, they want to please you because they're children. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. I can't imagine. I mean, I have never been on that end of things. You know, I've worked with DHHS and, um, and you've I'm been sure court. it's difficult, but you, yeah, and you're a court um, caseworker as well, but it, it really, it is like this age group sucks. That they have, it's so hard because they can't just get you one-on-one and be like, she is punching me straight in the face. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, ugh. But it's one of those things, like, in this situation, it's like there is notable bruising time after time again, and there's never any follow-through as to how she got the injury. It's like, okay, well. And even for me, the continuously explaining it away, I would start looking into interesting. Every time I come for a visit, they have a bruise that is from 
you know, you say this or that or the other child or blah, blah, blah. I am now questioning supervision. Yes. And you see that trend with Jennifer throughout this whole case. She uses, she goes back and forth between gymnastics, counseling appointments, and um, daycare as her excuses. Like, well, she got it at daycare. She got it at gymnastics. Like, those are the very repetitive um, Mm -hmm. excuses in this case. I will also mention while I'm thinking about it. So going back to Tessa, bio mom, mm-hmm. and grandma, I told you that she put that 30, well, no yeah. visits for 30 days. That kind of goes on, but then my understanding is that there are some visits that start to be reestablished during some of this time. Okay. So what happens is at, at first they're getting, the family's getting visits, uh, grandma and Tessa, but slowly those start to diminish, diminish again and there's always excuses. Or if there is a visit, it's always just with Millie and Layla's never there. Oh, okay. She's always sick. Tessa, when she testified, said that Millie was constantly sick, getting something at daycare. She couldn't make it. First, Jennifer would send pictures of the girls, and then, then those turned into mostly just pictures of Millie. Okay. And so Tessa did become concerned, but she never said anything. Yeah. She would press for pictures, and then Jennifer would send older pictures of Layla. Okay. So she did kind of press the issue. Like, I want to see pictures of Layla. Yeah. Like, now, now. you know, right Current now. pictures of Layla. Yes. And so she did end up sending a picture of Layla with a huge black eye. Oh, my God. And then chalked it up to gymnastics class. Oh. And so Tessa never said anything. Yeah. She was given an explanation. Yep. It seemed reasonable. And this was an upstanding person that had her kids. Of course. Yep. So I get it. So there were concerns from, from them as well. But then, like I said, Jennifer was going back and saying, well, they had a visit with their mom. Yep. It's just the, just the manipulation. Yeah. So now we're in October of 2015. Mm-hmm. Things are getting pretty bad. At this point, Layla suffers. Things are getting bad quickly. Yes. This is only a span of three and months. If I didn't, I apologize if I didn't mention, these girls are only in the home for like four months. Yeah, no, we didn't discuss that. So yeah. I apologize okay. for, I meant I to was put just, that you, right out you there. You kept putting the months in, so I'm tracking it and I'm like realizing. It's a very short time. I noticed the change in your tone and was like, um, hold on. <laughs> yeah, we, we are talking a short time Holy span shit. and it must have been nonstop abuse in this home because the way it progresses so quickly to where it it goes I mean it had to have been nonstop. in October of 2015 Layla breaks her leg Jennifer Rosenbaum claimed that Layla had fallen at her grandma's house the grandma she wasn't seeing Uh uh-huh sure um or and then she I believe told bio mom that Tessa had fallen at gymnastics class yeah there is a heartbreaking picture of Layla taken at the doctor's office in her little cast, like forcing a smile. And I can't talk about it too much because it hurts my soul. But she sends this out to Tessa and like, oh, she's such a little trooper. She didn't cry at all. And like really just laying this on thick. You know, she fell at Mm -mm. gymnastics. Mm -mm. The part of this that breaks my heart is that if this would have been thoroughly investigated, they would have found that Layla was never enrolled in gymnastics. Not once. Oh, my God. Millie was briefly, um, but Layla was not. And also, if she would have been, because she said that um, Layla had fallen off a balance beam, but the balance beam for that age group, it's like this tall. No, she couldn't have broke her leg. So there's no way. Hold on. Where are the doctors? Are the doctors not asking? Because they're supposed to ask the child. They're supposed to ask the child alone how this happened. Yep, and you are 
one step ahead of me because so they do take her to the doctor. She explains that she's a foster mom and she has these girls that were in an abusive home. They had they were forced to have a visit with their mother. This happened because she the mother is a drug user, doesn't watch the girls. And so she came back with the broken leg. The doctor believes it and says, well, you need to go like follow up. It was like the ER doctor. I think you need to follow up with your doctor, like take her, you know, to be seen. And he does not report it. Oh, my God. He believes her. So many fucking adults failed this little girl. So many. So I'm telling you. Like, I'm this, mad at every single one of them. This is, it's, so he did not call that in separately. No, that's not okay. And, tw- I mean, twice this should have been reported for investigation because Samantha White also was supposed to report this as well. Because, again, it's an injury that was supposed to be investigated. Is the child, is anyone asking the child? Is there any information that someone asked the child and the child was like, yeah, that's what happened? Because it would not surprise me if she was threatening the child of you you mm-hmm. tell them what I'm telling oh, them. I'm you sure. know what I mean? So she can manipulate the child as well, of course. I am sure I'm sure. So that I just that was wonder happening. if maybe the doctor especially had asked the child as they're supposed to, and she just confirmed what her foster mom was saying because she out of fear. That could have been, but then also knowing that Layla was non-verbal for some time. I don't know how much she was talking at that point. Okay. I don't. All right, all right, all right. And maybe a little bit more, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So I don't know that detail, but I do know that whatever Jennifer told the doctor, he bought that. It was good enough for him, and he did not do any further reporting himself. And Samantha White ends... White ends. (laughs) (laughs) Samantha White ends. And Samantha White's end, she... My understanding is she obtains the doctor's notes that, yes, sure. we took her for medical attention. It was explained as a gymnastics injury. And I can't believe she never confirmed if she was, with as many times as she was getting hurt in gymnastics, I can, I just, so I'm this sorry, is, guys, that would have been the first thing that I'd do, but. I okay. will tell you that, so Samantha, when she testifies in court, she's obviously asked, like, what kind of, like, did you follow up with this? And. She did report that she went to the gymnastics place and Millie, like I said, Millie was in gymnastics. So she noted that Millie was there in the class. She said she didn't like to make herself very seen like when she was investigating. So she just kind of stood back and observed. She never verified when she she was there that Layla was in gymnastics. Never asked how she got the injury. None of that. She didn't talk to anybody. She just went in and, and looked. Do we know how long she'd been doing this job? I mean, honestly, sometimes... My understanding, she was fairly new. Fairly new. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. This is the other part, though, that... So when they started to investigate this, Samantha White, um, this is the only case that she did not do what she was supposed to do. All of her other cases, she did appropriate follow-through. So the theory is, or the question is, was it Jennifer Rosenbaum's status yes, and intimidation was. that made her back off? And I think absolutely yes, it, it was. was. Yes, in her mind, she felt like, I can be a little lackadaisical on this case. We've got them in a good, reputable mm-hmm. This is a court place. person. Yep, exactly. This is, yeps. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Uh, yes, this is this is a person where I can focus. On uh, the other cases? Uh, yes, on my other cases. This is one of my easy cases. And Yes, and I have no idea what their caseload, you know, numbers or restrictions are. I will not lie, though. There have been times where I've been overloaded on a, on a case and you have to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And it just sounds like she she felt like she was prioritizing the right way. And I can't say that I wouldn't have prioritized the same way 
given the information that they all had about her reputation Mm -hmm. and how she seemed to be, no one could have predicted that this woman was going to do what she ends up doing. True. And I don't, you can't ever predict that somebody is going to take it to that extreme ever. I, I agree with you. The, the part that makes me question Samantha in all of this is that she did on the stand say that she did fill out the injury report to and and gave it to her supervisor on the broken leg incident. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the supervisor said that she never received a report and denies mm. that she was informed. So okay. somebody's lying. One okay. of them. Yep. But One Samantha, of them's trying to save their ass there. Yeah. Honestly, wouldn't surprise me if it was the supervisor. I'm just going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of them is lying. Either the report never got filled out and because she was asked like, you know, on the scene, what happened to your report? And Samantha's like, I, I'm not sure. And so, okay. like, somewhere along the line, that report never got submitted. I see. So that was the incident on the broken leg and how it was handled. Mm-hmm. Nobody investigated You mean how it further. was not handled? It was not handled. Okay, no one touched it at all. Yep. There was no handling. I Even just a little tickle would have been fine, but And nope. it just, this one hurts the most because if she just would have looked into... The gymnast. I think knowing she'd caught a Jennifer Lynch already. Simple question. Yes. Does is she, she attend here? Yes. No, she doesn't. Okay. Now we have a serious because, problem. I mean, this, it got to a broken leg. But at the same leg. token, I can see where she is like, oh yeah, Millie's enrolled. Why would she lie about it? Right. She seems like. I see yeah. Millie's here. Yeah. Even though Layla wasn't. Right. You know. Uh, I don't know. I just. Eh. It's and icky. It's, I will I say this. Like it. It's easy on the outside because I know everything that happens. It's easy to look at this and I say, know. why didn't you do this? Why but didn't you do that? this literally was my job. And so for me, I do feel like I, I have a little bit more of an edge to be able to say, holy fuck, this is a lot of injuries. Yes. And I would have been asking, even, even with what I just said a little while ago of, hey, initially I probably would have been like, I don't have to worry so much about these kids and I can focus a little bit more on on uh, my other placements. Yeah. Okay, But when those red flags went popping, okay, my attention is going to be over there and I'm going to ask simple questions. Those are For simple sure. questions. So many of these are just simple questions. So I am judging pretty harshly because I've been there and you, you ask these questions, damn it. I feel like at this point you can judge very heavily because, I mean, there, I mean, the, you can see the injuries getting extensively worse. Mm-hmm. and Exactly. There is an escalation here. So at this point, it is unexcusable. Yes. At this point. Yep. Okay. The, you overlooked the red flags in the beginning. Not okay, but like, Even okay. still, a broken bone should have initiated an investigation no matter what the explanation was. Yes. No matter what. That is a serious injury. With no exceptions, absolutely. And this is the one, like I said, it hurts so bad because this one... Um, if she would have caught her in a lie this extensive, I think this could have saved the, this little girl's life. I agree. Damn it, this pisses me off. This is a great theme this week. <laughs> it's it's perfect. Mm. Perfect theme. So outside of the defects case, Layla was rarely seen in public. And when she was, there was a couple times that Millie, like I said, went to gymnastics. And so Layla would be with Jennifer to, you know, go pick her up. And it was noted by other parents when they would see Layla how just withdrawn and emotionless she was. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure. so they would ask, like, well, you know, what's going on or what's why isn't she in gymnastics, too? And so Jen- Jennifer would again use that chance to tell her story about being the savior foster parent and tell mm-hmm. all about, you know, Layla's bio family and 
how injured she was and all of the stuff that happened to her. She was burned by her mom. She was all, and these things didn't happen. Layla was never physically abused by right. her mother. She was neglected for sure, but she was never physically abused. So they, which you is know. often the case with um, substance abuse cases, mm-hmm. they are they're neglected, but physically abused typically not. So if there was bruises or markings, and people would ask about them, that I mean, she would always be able to play that card. And mm-hmm. if people knew who she was, they believed it, of course. So, you know, that was an ongoing process through the whole or an ongoing thing that she would do. Right. The whole time. But what ends up happening, and I don't feel like this was fully discovered until after the fact when they pieced everything to everything together. But her lie, I mean, it was lie after lie. And eventually that got really hard for her to do. And she would find herself messing up because she'd tell this person it was gymnastics. She'd tell this person it was foster mom oh. or bio mom, you know, sure. so all these lies. Okay. Yep. She's caught in her own web. Yep. They start to, to backfire on her. But like I said, I don't feel like that that was fully realized the extent until it was too late. Too late. As I mentioned, the girls were with the Rosenbaum family for about four months, a very short time. Red flags popping immediately. <laughs> it's a very short time in the realm of a foster care yeah. case. That's still in its infancy, unfortunately. So none of these in- injuries were formally investigated as they should have been. Like, you know, you know, yep. when there's an injury, it's supposed to be reported and investigated. and investigated separately. Yep. That never happened with one of the injuries. So now we're into November. And this is after the broken leg had happened, which was the most substantial injury to this point. Samantha White goes out to the home. She talks to Jennifer. She sees Millie. And reports that she investigated, you know, did her examination of Millie. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to that shortly. And so she is told that Layla is sleeping. At that point, she's teething. She's not feeling well. And, and Layla was sleeping. Mm-hmm. I will also get back to that because we will soon discover why she was sleeping. So I want to read you a quote from the report from this visit. Okay. Because you're going to get so mad. So she's, you know, she's out there doing her monthly visit. So her job is to verify the well-being of these yes. girls. Yes. Which means laying eyes on them, talking to them, assessing their health and wellness. Now, also, I'm sorry, there's so much information. I keep having to go back to stuff because I'm like, oh, yes, this. Mm-hmm. Millie had a bruise on her face at oh, this visit. She? Okay. So it was explained that she'd hit her head on a faucet. Sure. Now, Millie's too. Um, Bruises... Millie's four. I'm sorry. Millie's the, Millie's the sorry. four. I'm sorry. Yeah, I did have that confused. So I'm sorry if I've oh, that's throughout okay. this episode. Yeah, Layla's two, Millie's four. But okay. there was a bruise on Millie this time that was noted. But this is what the report says. There are no, and this is a quote from, from that report. There are no signs of maltreatment. MP hit her head on the faucet in the tub. There is not any conser- uh, serious bruising. And White asked MP if she was okay. And she stated... That she was, and it didn't hurt. There are no marks on the girls' bodies. There are no, and mind you, she did not see Layla that day. Layla was asleep. She did not. She did not. She examine. did not verify Layla's well-being. She did not. Okay. So there are no safety interventions needed. The girls are closely watched, and and when medical attention is needed, it is given quickly. That <laughs> was the November second uh, report. Also, asking a child if they're okay to a child, they're very much in the moment. Of course, they're going to say they're okay. Yeah. If Jennifer's standing there. I'm assuming probably. But, um, but also, Amber, it's it's in the moment. Are you okay? Yeah, yep. I'm, fi- I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else is she? It doesn't hurt. It's fine. Right. Because in that moment. Now, had she asked more poignant questions about how she obtained that bruise, she might have gotten more information. Maybe. But with Jennifer standing right there, probably not. 
Right. But maybe. And so I want to just communicate how much minimizing Samantha White did during her testimony and in her reporting. Because she either didn't mention bruising or when she would talk about bruising, and this was in her her testifying in court too, she would refer to them as small bruises or marks. I mean, she saw these children with black eyes and bruises. Oh, fuck no. So she would say small marks. Like, the minimizing is un fucking believable so i mean this report was minimizing too it was uh, yeah absolutely so in this case it's a i don't want to go through changing placements and having to battle literally marry battle yeah (laughs) to get this child removed these children removed there's no way they're intimidated by there's no way i could get just that i could remove Mm -hmm. these children from this woman without a huge fight and a whole lot of work for me so let's just hope everything's okay i do truly think that that was the major factor in this although it was never admitted i think it why would you you never admit right so i'm gonna minimize this you know the reporting so i don't have to do anything further Mm -hmm. with it i mean these are my assumptions like i said she was never this is just our opinion but the intimidation I literally did this job so I Mm -hmm. I do have a strong opinion on this Mm -hmm. now at first you kind of let me defend her a little bit because I'm like let's not always blame the worker because it's not always but right this is a problem like I said there's a lot of problems here but this is is definitely a big part of it yes yeah and and like I said I I feel like there is morbid explanation as to why she didn't, she kind of backed down, but it gets to the point where it's absolutely unexcusable. Yeah. At this yeah. point, I can't, there's no doubt that she internally didn't know something was going on. Yeah. Yep. And if so, just then. just really wasn't ready to face it. Yeah. I, I just, I can't believe she saw all of this and didn't question it. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's a. That's your character coming out when you can minimize those things, too. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's you choosing to not. Sorry. When you see a kid with two black eyes, I don't I don't care. You initiate an investigation yeah. no matter what the explanation is. Of course, the person's not going to say, yeah, well, I straight punched her. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it, Samantha White? Come on. She's going to lie. That's right. why you initiate an investigation that is done separately. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> I know. I can't so handle it. It's so much. So I'm going to, at this point, give you a trigger warning. No, I don't want it. I reject your trigger warning. (laughs) All right, you can throw it back to me. I am. This is me giving it back with force. So like I said, that that visit happened on November 2nd. Okay. And I read you the quote. It was minimized, I think, substantially. Um, on November 17th of 2015. No, that is my mama's birthday. You leave my (gasps) mama's birthday out of this. I'm so sorry. There was another report that said the 15th. We can just go with that. I don't think it's accurate, but okay. we'll go with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> I, I think it's total BS, but. Oh, no. I hate to tell you this, too, because it's ironically Jennifer Rosenbaum's birthday as well. Oh, f- stop ruining Sorry. my mother's birthday. We're still going to celebrate it as her day. Yeah, because she's an amazing woman. With okay. Yeah, it was November 17th. Uh, Jennifer Rosenbaum calls 911 and reports that Layla was unresponsive because she had choked on a piece of chicken. Oh, had she? Yeah. So Choked on a chicken, huh? 
I have to say, if you listen to this 911 call, she doesn't even sound genuinely Of course not. Upset. Satan has a hard time sounding genuine. Yeah. I mean, she tries to act like she's in distress, but it's just not. And maybe it's because I already knew everything, but it's just. Maybe. Yeah. It's not. Again, Satan doesn't have emotions, so. she No. And, and so Jennifer explains what happened, and she attempts to perform, start performing CPR as instructed to do by the CPR is a Heimlich. Um, I mean, if she's choking. It was, she she began compressions. I don't know okay. if they did, like, the finger sweep. Sure, or, sure, sure. You know, I'm sure the whole, all of it. But Yeah, 911's um, walking her through the motions. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so she's doing what they're instructing her to do. But, but is she? I mean, do we know she I, really did? I don't did? know. That's a good question because, you know, until the responders arrive. there, right. I'm not sure if she really was doing it or not. Right. No, she does make sure to mention that she, because they're doing, like, the um, the back blows yeah, as yeah. well. And um, she's like, I'm afraid I'm going to, you know, break her ribs or bruise her. And I think that that was her, because, I mean. Uh-huh. Covering her ass? This child was injured beyond words. And okay. I'm going to tell you about it. But um, she Remind made sure to put that out. Age? She's two. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that I had the right, the, the two-year-old. Mm-hmm. So she puts that out there. You know, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt her, blah, blah, blah. So when the EMT, the responders arrive, obviously, Layla, it's it's too late. Mm. She has passed. It was noted right away that this child was absolutely covered head to toe in bruises. Oh. Like everywhere. Everywhere. So they go back to the hospital. At this point, Jennifer had called the worker to come in. You know, the worker said that Jennifer was, appeared very emotional at first. I've heard, I've read other reports that she wasn't, and I, I kind of tend to lean more toward that. Yeah, for sure. But the worker did note that Jennifer was crying. Because that's what she thought humans do in this situation. Yeah. Not because she cared. And cue, uh, appropriate emotion here yep yep not because she really was feeling that emotion for the record and sadly this is it got to this point before it was truly revealed what these little girls went through in this home angry right now i'm going to tell you trigger warning because and i'm going to try to get through this because it's so hard um but obviously when layla passed away there was an examination done on her by the medical um, examiner. So, like I said, the the first thing that was noticed by everybody is that Layla was covered head to toe in bruises. Which you don't get from choking on a piece of no, chicken. No, you don't. And when Jennifer's troll lawyer, she really does look like a troll, I'm sorry. But um, when her lawyer tries to play that card, it's like absolutely no. 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 That is not. This nope. child... Was covered in wounds like aging, new, old. I mean, no. Yeah, all various various stages but they do of try, healing. They try to play the CPR card. And tell me, was there chicken in her? No. Yeah. And that was, so. that was later dis, you know, discovered. There was no indication of choking at all. Of course not. So that being. That's just so stupid. Like, you're so dumb. You're such a dumbass. Mm-hmm. I feel like they like, truly had nothing. Wait. Oh, she's choking. I'm going to call 911 because she's choking on chicken, but I'm not going to put the chicken in her. I'm not telling you how to Mm -hmm. commit a crime. I say that a lot on this podcast, but like, you're so fucking stupid. Exactly. Unless, you know, she did try to do a finger sweep and claim that they had removed the object. That could have been. Um, But when the examination was done, there was no indication of actual choking. Yeah. And they were able to tell that. They can see that, moron. And so the case, I mean, 
honestly, it, this was so obviously child abuse. I bet they didn't even have chicken for dinner. They, they probably didn't. And honestly, that that being mentioned, another oh, no. piece of this is that Layla was significantly malnourished. malnourished. Fuck. So I don't think she was being fed oh much God. of anything. You know, fuck y'all. I'm so, I'm no. so over all of the workers that that failed this little girl. Oh. And so many. Times. And this was 2015. This was not long ago. Like I'm so I'm. I know. I'm so fired up right now. It's. I'm so sorry to do this to you, but oh I just God. like I said. I feel like this because it wasn't that long ago. It's so important to be aware of. Like this is why we do our checks. This is why. Yes. You know. This is why you do your job. We report. Why it's important to hire responsible people train them correctly mm-hmm. and make sure that they're doing their jobs yeah. children's lives are on the line all right i'm gonna push through this because i don't want to read yeah, it let's just get through it let's get through it. everyone hold your butts so um like i said the medical examiner she did discover multiple bruises of all stages on layla's body um both eyes were completely black and blue, along with bruising all over her face from multiple, like, slaps and punches. Mm-hmm. There was skin missing from the back of her ear. So what was discovered is that Layla not only had the broken leg that she was recovering for, from, but she had also had a broken arm at some point, and that was never reported because Jennifer, I think, knew that at that point after the broken leg, she could not go back with another broken limb and explain that at that point it was getting really suspicious and so she never took Layla to the doctor for the arm injury Mm -hmm. so what happened is that it started to heal and it was like it was deformed like there was a bend in it of course because it didn't heal it was not set yeah and so that was noticed by the EMT as well when they arrived Mm -hmm. and but I mean, it was the same song and dance when the EMT arrived because they questioned the bruising and the the broken bone. The EMT said that he noticed the arm and thought maybe it was done because she had said that Layla had gotten back from a visit again. Of course. So, you know, his thought was like, oh, my gosh, did this happen then or during CPR? Because he he has no idea at this point. He's just looking at it from the outside quickly right now, you know. So she had two broken bones that she was recovering from as best as she could but also the reason that Layla was probably sleeping during that visit that mm-hmm. um Samantha, that Samantha White did yeah and never laid eyes on her because it was discovered that she had a lacerated liver due to <gasps> blunt force trauma and she was internally like slowly bleeding oh and my god so at this point this child probably was sleeping all of yes. the time her body was trying to heal itself. Not only did she have that, it was also discovered that her pancreas had been separated completely into. Holy shit, Because Amber. she was hit so hard, punched so many times, that it had caused her pancreas to completely separate. What the fuck? Where's her husband? Oh, we're going to get to the single-celled organism. Okay. Actually, I'll just tell you. I'll tell you now because we're almost to the trial part. We got through that. That's that's her. Sorry injuries. to have to give give you that, but that was okay. those were the injuries. Okay. Un, unimaginable yes. what this child was suffering yes. through in her last there, days. There aren't words for this woman. No, who did this? I mean, she's one of the most fucking evil pe- people I've ever read about. Yes. Like, the ordinarily, extent- this is where I would be like, you are like a infected pubic hair right on a testicle or something <laughs> but that's even too good it's for too, her yes 
That's too you can, good. You can treat an infected hair. Yeah. So that's sure not can. even. They hurt like hell. They do. But there isn't, there is nothing that we could compare her to. That No. Honestly, I couldn't think of anything either because I was like, I need the worst of the worst. No. She is such a bottom feeder that she's below the bottom feeders. And when you read how bad this got. And, the- and I don't mean people who lick anuses. <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, yeah. I just thought um, we should. I didn't want anybody to be offended. I can't help but. I mean, what was going to be the outcome of this other than death? I think it was the intention. She wasn't going to stop until she no. killed that child. No, I think that was going to yeah. be the outcome. A hundred percent. Because no matter how many times things were starting to surface, I mean, there were red flags for sure. She kept doing it. Yep. And I think the but she goal kept getting was to away with her. it. She mm-hmm. kept getting away with it. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And that November 2nd, that visit just rips my heart out because if yeah. the investigation would have been done correctly, if she would have visibly seen Layla. Yep. Or she could have saved her life. The other part of this that was discovered after Layla passed away is that Millie. You mean after Layla was murdered? And murdered. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't want to mm-hmm. minimize that. She right. was fucking murdered. Yeah. So after this happens, then at the hospital, Samantha White immediately takes Millie to do an examination on her at the hospital because she finally she sees Layla covered oh. in bruises. Oh, does she decide that there might be a red flag? And so amazing. It's discovered that Millie's buttocks and her groin area were completely black and blue. Oh, baby. Because Aww. Jennifer, one of the things she would do for punishment is kick the girls in the groin as the as fuck? a discipline. That was, it was a common thing. She would kick them between like the legs and the groin area as discipline. And Millie does testify that, to that. Samantha had reported that November 2nd investigation that she had examined Millie. She obviously fucking didn't because no. she would have seen the bruising in the, those also, areas. Also, though, I think that, sh- that Jennifer was savvy enough to know that to she, cover. she's not going to pull her. Ba- I've never, ever pulled a child's pants down. Oh, you're right. To look at them. So she underwear knew, would cover. Yes. She knew where to harm her at. To yeah. leave bruises. You're so right. You're oh, so right. Oh, there is no. There are no words. Oh, I just freaking. It's cancer. hard not to be consumed with hatred for this woman. It is. Yeah. No, she really a, is. She is a completely a cancer. She is. I so. hope that it burns every time she urinates. I do too. I really do. Or that she can't like most of the time. Yeah, she's pedipated. Yes. Yep. Be pedipated, and then it burns like a motherfucker. And she has to have a catheter. Yes. Like all the time. Daily. Yeah. Every two hours. That's Can, what I hope for her. How do we get that set up? Please. Someone call us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's just so hard. It's so hard to not let the anger consume you with this yeah. case because it's awful. Well, and we deflect with humor because that's what we do We here do. Because we have to cope somehow. But it's, this, no, there's no and, excuse for that. And you're right. She wasn't going to stop until one of these girls were dead. I, I think that that was the ultimate outcome mm-hmm. for this. It made her feel very And powerful. then getting away with it would have been the ultimate win yeah. for her. But look at her reading these reports. These BS reports, these minimized reports, mm-hmm. it's giving her more power. She's untouchable mm-hmm. in and her I, eyes. I think she she believed that. She believed that she was. And it's just fueling her fire to continue. Like I said before, Jennifer's attorney did try to argue that the injuries were caused by CPR. <laughs> the medical examiner did a phenomenal job testifying, like held nothing back. That this absolutely was not from CPR. Also, motherfucker, what about Millie's injuries? She didn't have CPR on her groin. Exactly. And like I said, I don't think that they... Also, that guy can go to hell. 
Like, fuck off defending mm. this woman. Like, mm-hmm. just all the way off. There has, I'm sorry, but there, no, I'm not sorry. There's a special place in hell for somebody that could defend yeah. this woman yeah. because the case against her was so strong. Like, yeah. I mean, unless. Don't take money for that. Unless the jury was just, like, really bad. There's no way. I mean, this no. was obvious trial no. abuse. Mm-mm. And I've said it before. We need defense to, uh, defense attorneys because you are innocent until proven guilty. But for something like this, no. I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. I could never do that and live with myself defend no, this someone. this is dirty money. It is. Um, it was also discovered that Millie had an untreated broken arm as well oh, when she baby. was investigated. And like I said, if that worker would have actually investigated Millie the way she would should have. Yeah. You mean verified been... her well-being the way she's supposed yes. to, which is the minimal expectation of her motherfucking job. Mm. She should owe the state back money because clearly they were paying her to do nothing. Yeah, she should pay back her salary. Abso- absolutely. Every and benefits. Penny. I'm going to share with you about Joseph Rosenbaum. We haven't talked yeah, about him I'd much. Yeah, I'd like to know about that. The reason offer. that we haven't talked about him is because he was basically a bystander in all of this he did not participate in the abuse but he but stood he back didn't stop it and just let it go yes he stood back and watched it or he would remove himself and this comes from millie's testimony millie was so brave um that she he didn't hurt them but he would like leave the room or just like excuse himself while jennifer abused the girls yep that's hurting him you did hurt them yep you allowed it to happen. Oh, yeah. He's absolutely just as guilty. Yep. And it makes sense that Jennifer would marry someone of this type. That passive? Because she yes, could yes. dominate She's control. Got yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Did we check into his groin area? Are there bruises as well? Probably should have. That I he just, didn't want? Yeah, I, I feel Get like, out your microscope. I'm sure it's very small. <laughs> facts. <laughs> These are facts. <laughs> no, I think I I think that makes that <sighs> dynamic makes complete sense. Yep. I after agree. we know what we know, so the trial for Jason and Jennifer, they were both put on trial. Good, he was too. He As, was okay, absolutely. Good, good, good. He was failure to protect. Yes, mm-hmm. he he was a part in this. He knew the yes. extent of it. Yep. Millie actually testifies at this hearing that um, she had overheard a conversation between them kind of towards the end of Layla's life. And what Millie had explained as a, she was seven at the time. So what Millie had explained is that she heard them talking about killing Layla and that in, oh my God, like, that Layla would be dead in a couple weeks. What? Now what the police were able to piece together with that conversation, what they think ha- actually the conversation was is that Joseph was telling Jennifer that if she continued the abuse that Layla was going to die. She okay. was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. So I think that Joseph very much knew that this was going to happen and he mm-hmm. still failed to do mm-hmm. nothing. Anything about it. Yeah. So I, I think that's what the conversation was, but Millie's a child and she didn't know. So Millie's able, she's verbal enough, so she's able, I have to just throw this out there. I don't think Samantha White ever interviewed her alone at all on those monthly visits and asked the right questions. I, besides, I that. Are you okay? Like in this moment right now, sitting here in this room with you, yeah, I'm okay. And they I don't, don't know to think in an abstract manner that way. Like, there's a certain standard of questions that you ask. And mm-hmm. there's no way that I believe Minnie, Millie, excuse me, was asked those questions that, alone. Yes. That, and I will share this with you. Oh, my gosh. It's going to make you just so mad because it I did me. I get any matter. I know. It's like if I get any the ma- limit. If I get any matter, I will pee You're myself. flip the table over. So during the, the hearing, this paints a picture of the fear that... 
Millie had of Jennifer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So at the trial, Jennifer stayed in the same place the entire time. But when Millie took the stand, because she did have to get uh, testify. They didn't do a tender years motion? I, I, I don't think so, because she was in court. And so Jennifer mm. positions herself directly Shut in front of Millie. Shut the fuck up. Yes. I no. Want, <laughs> yes. I um, don't. I don't believe what's coming out of your face right now. They allowed that. They did allow they it. They allowed that. What more did, adults failing this child? I will tell you this. Um, one small silver lining. The prosecutor did catch on to what Jennifer was doing, and she did position herself directly in front of Jennifer so she could question Millie. Which, I mean. Did At we draw? Least. Did we draw attention to the jury? Of do you see what this woman is doing? How do you ever allow the child in the same room as her perpetrator? What is going on? I'm so disgusted now with all of the court people as well. I know. Well, you know what? Look at what I they- hope it burns when you pee too. <laughs> you don't. Amen. You don't do that to children. Amen. No, I. I mean, it and- wasn't necessary. I am sorry. You could have videotaped her testimony. She could have Skyped in Mm -hmm. from the judge's chambers. There was absolutely no reason to have that child in the courtroom like that with her perpetrator. And this just goes back to... You had the evidence. You didn't need it. Right. This just goes back to that piece of being trauma-informed and knowing how to appropriately appropriately handle those things. And it obviously wasn't. Um, I think that it was obviously noted what she was doing, but as far as an intervention, I did not see that there was one. Clearly, the prosecutor was at least slightly trauma-informed to position herself and try to right. save this child. She at least but picked up on the... everyone else, get yourself some training. I agree. This is not okay. And this wasn't like, you know, this was 2015. Yes, Yes, so. I wouldn't be this fired up if this happened in the 80s or the early 90s or whatever, because that's just how we did shit. But we know better now. We do. And, and you don't do that to re-victimize that child by making her do that when you didn't even really mm-hmm. need her testimony to make your case. Not in that way. No, there where was she so had much. to be in the court. Yeah. There was so much. The medical examiner. Are you kidding me? Yeah, even with that, I mean, the, the notable bruising, the, the pictures abuse. of the child. I know what those pictures look like. I have taken those pictures myself. Okay? Showing them to a jury says it all. Mm-hmm. I you agree. You do not need to have this little child sit there, this four-year-old who probably by the time the trial came around was five, I'm guessing. She was seven oh, at the time. That, so it, was it a couple, took that long? Okay, yep, so she she's seven. seven. Yep. I'm sorry. You don't, there are other ways that you could relay her testimony to the jury to let them know what she had to say as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that. I think that out of everything besides, of course, the child death, Gets me the, the most fired up. I know. I Because t- they should have known better. It, it's so horrible that that was able to happen. And Millie it was notably uncomfortable from what I had um Of course read she was. When Jennifer was, like, staring directly at her. So she didn't say much at first. But then once she was blocked from so maybe you, So maybe if Samantha did, you know, interview her by herself, then, you know, the fear, 
in, and I mean, I think I said that earlier in the episode as well, that the fear that Jennifer had over these children was a part of her, you know, reason why she didn't say anything, but I'm not convinced that the right questions were asked anyway. I I agree with you. I, I think that she proved after all of this came out, she did not investigate them properly, especially towards the end when things were horrible. Like, I mean, honestly, even just like the basic point of her job and what she's there for. If she would have even done a bare minimum of the investigation she was supposed to do on that November 2nd visit, especially if she would have seen Mm -hmm. enough to know. Yep. It sounds like Layla was on the brink of death at that time. Yeah. And she would have. Her pancreas was separated from her body. My God. Or the rest of her organs. So I believe that she didn't even visibly look at Layla and just was like, oh, she's sleeping okay. Okay. Yep. Cool. No big deal. Have a good night. always check and make sure they're fucking breathing. So, gosh, this is a hard case. Yeah, it is. It is. And you got me right fired up. I am hot and bothered over here and not in the way that I like to be. Let's, uh. Let's make sure we, you know, do some self-care after this episode. So we're going to the bar? Yep. Oh, okay. That works. Well, that's what I thought I heard. All right. You know, for two people who hardly drink, we sure do joke about alcohol all the time on this podcast. It cracks me up. (laughs) And I I literally, I mean, I hardly ever drink. I don't have time to. I know. Me neither. No. I'm always at a kid's sporting event, podcasting, or doing my regular job. And I'm too old to, like, survive a hangover. So I can't do it. Those days are gone. So this trial lasted for a couple weeks, uh, presenting all the evidence. I mean, it was a no-brainer case against these two. Absolutely. And um, might have even been a little bit harder against the husband to prove the full extent of failure to, you know, to protect. But I think that is where Millie's testimony had come in Mm -hmm. is because they didn't have anything on him. So they needed her to say something about it. And so could have been video recorded. It was 2015. Could have Skyped her in. There are other ways, just so you know. I completely agree with you. I think what they were looking for is her to verbally indicate he was there Mm -hmm. for those and that he saw the abuse happening. She was able to do that. Even with um, that, though, he saw the motherfucking bruises. He did. Like, he, I mean, he knew what was going on. He yeah. told her, hey, you're going to kill her if you keep yeah, doing this. Right. So he knew what was going on. Um, it sounds like he'd remove himself sometimes. And I'm not I'm not justifying it, but like he would mm-hmm. excuse himself. I'm sure that's what he did a knowing lot. Knowing the abuse was happening because it sounded like it happened in their bedroom a lot. Like that was the place that she okay. would uh, punish them. All in all, they were found guilty. There was So there was 49 charges against them altogether. They were found guilty on roughly 36 of those charges. I didn't list them all. There's multiple things. That, was, that poor jury. Oh, God. First of Dear all, the God. trauma. That the jury would have to go through. But then to go through all of those charges and determine which ones could stick. For sure. And, the, and fit the case. That would be rough. That's a that's a hard job. Oh, without a doubt. So as far as sentencing, sentencing goes, Jennifer was sentenced to life in prison plus 40 years. Good. And hopefully a shanking and burning urination. <sighs> Honestly. Can we add that to the sentence? <laughs> cool. I don't see the problem with that. No. no. Um, Joseph was sentenced to 50 years in prison with 30 to serve and 10 years probation. I don't know why they always complicate. Like, give him the 50 years. For sure. Exactly. Why do we have to make this fancy? That's what I read. Rat poison. That'll do the job. Um, According to Fox 5 News, the couple absolutely wept after their verdicts were read. Wah, wah, nobody gives a flying pig's fuck. Right. Um, We don't care. Uh, did you wept because you got caught? This 
because you got caught. <laughs> this part just got me. I don't know. It just bothered no, me so much. No, I can't much. be got anymore. Don't worry. <laughs> it's Stop. not on the same level as what we've been talking okay. about. But it's still just, oh, it's annoying. So after the sentencing, Joseph, Joseph Rosenbaum's family was, I, I mean, I get it. It's their child going to prison. Um, so they were very upset. But all they did was blame Tessa Daniels, the Dear biological God. mom. And basically, in so many words, said if she wouldn't have been a drug addict, none of this would have happened. And that he was innocent. Oh, and that they, you know, it was God, wrong. He no. was going to prison with his, uh, the cerebral palsy. No, it's not. Or, I'm sorry, the cystic fibrosis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it's not. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. And no, I don't know. Just, I'm going to throw this out into the universe of any of my family. If you're ever convicted by a member of 12 of your peers for any sort of child abuse at all, neglect, whatever, you're dead to me. So like, I'm not going to defend you. No. And that's, it's unbelievable that they couldn't see his involvement in it. Despite them, you know, I I don't want to take away that they grieved him going to prison, but if you can't see his involvement in this, then- you need, Sorry. you need a little help. Maybe some, uh, maybe uh, reevaluate some of your own morals. Then a child died. A two-year-old child died. Yes. No. And he watched it happen. So okay. he knew what was going to happen. Yeah. All he y'all did. can lick Satan's balls too, because I don't care. His fiery balls. That's right. And I'm sure he doesn't shave. Why would he? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The the visual that Mm -hmm. I just got. I am going to give you one last piece of information, and it is so, and I'm sorry, but I just feel like it needs to be known. All right. After all of this happened, and Layla passed, she was murdered. Mm -hmm. Um, She was buried alone in an unmarked grave, and it remained unmarked for like two years until finally... My understanding was a group of police officers that I don't know if they were involved in the case, but they decided to buy a tombstone for her. I'm sorry. I don't comprehend the words that are coming out of your mouth because of what reason? Because Tessa couldn't afford a gravestone? I think that's probably... Oh, I'm sorry. She died in foster care. How about the state maybe whip out some fucking money and give this girl a gravestone i know especially considering i know at least in the state of michigan you can go apply at the state level for help with burial services it's a part of our aid and this girl couldn't even be given that it's the the ending to this is so heartbreaking because this child the two years she was on this earth never had one single iota of a chance no and ever I don't think that she ever really knew what it was like to be fully loved, loved. or cared for. She, all she knew was uh, a, a neglect and abuse. I can't even think of that. It makes my stomach. You're right. So Let's. Bad. We're gonna shift because I'm getting emotional. You're right. You're right, though. Um, and also, did Tessa get a settlement from the state for her child dying? That would be a good thing to follow up with. Um, you didn't. There was no initial obvious thing. Of course, it might not honestly, even. It's not going to be settled by now. It's only 2021. This happened in 2015. The the hearing wasn't even till 17 where they were convicted. Mm-hmm. No, it's, um, it wouldn't even be settled yet. It was her child. It was her child. So she absolutely has the legal right to. She does. And and I I was so something. I was so drained after this case that I didn't that that would be a good thing to follow up with. I tried to see where Millie was at, but I couldn't find anything. And then I just I just decided to leave that alone because she deserves to 
hopefully be in a good home and move forward. Right, 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 right. Um, so, but I didn't find anything on where yeah. she's at. I just wondered because this would be a situation where I would feel she's deserving of it. Although I know there's the counterpart to that of, I'm sorry, but she had her children removed. Does she deserve that? Well, yeah, she did have her her kids removed because of her horrible choices. Okay. When they were removed, she was told that they would be safe. She was. And it's under the understanding that those children would be placed in a well-vetted and safe home. So I just, as a parent, man, I I struggle with that. Yeah. That's a hard topic for me. Yeah. It's, I have mixed feelings on it. Me I too. mean, I, I mean, I do too, because it's like, well, don't get your kids removed, but it's not always that easy. Oh, so, I, yeah. It's not like absolutely. she was like walked into, into, um, you know, the office and was like, I'm a meth addict. Will you take my kids? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this, ha- this, because of her own poor choices, this was bestowed upon her mm-hmm. consequences of her choices, but the consequences should never have been this high. Ever. And, and no, never. I guess my struggle is like envisioning her receiving like some kind of money settlement it's like mm-hmm. she never had them in yeah. the first place yeah. like Layla was was with family like most of her time right. before so it's like to see her get that yeah. I guess there's that part of me that's like oh I just don't know right you right know? and I not see, to I take get away that. from like that I mean she was told the children would be safe yeah she was promised and assured that her children would be in good hands yeah so she felt good about that and so I do and I do believe that Tessa loved her children as best she could right I do exactly so it's just a hard she had demons that she was battling she did and she you know not everyone is fit to be a parent guys no they're not and and so like I said I mean I'm not saying she didn't deserve it but then there's that other side of me that's like Oh, I never had them. Trust me, I see both sides completely. I do. Yeah, I do too. But at the end of the day, her the consequences for her using meth never should have been her child dying at the hands of someone else that was trusted by what's supposed to be an an entity that, like I said, vets people and someone that was supposed to continues to put constant eyes on this child. So someone mm. that was supposed to be that wanted so badly to be portrayed as this good yeah. citizen, this caring woman. And she did a good job she doing self, that. How she self-destructed. Uh, yes. Interesting. Yep. And I think she, for a while until those children came into her care, did a good job of putting that face the on. fake, yeah. I Everybody wonder what she was it. really like to live with, though. Oh, God. Only her husband knows. Like you said, they probably should have checked his groin area, I, too. Yeah, for sure. So Layla Marie Daniel was born on January 18th of 2013, and she died on November, we said 15th or 17th, yeah. of 2015. Okay. Rest in peace, sweet baby. Yeah. Aww. It's I'm sure everybody's just emotionally drained yes, after this case. Sure. It's a lot. Yeah, look at you, girlfriend. You're almost at a two-hour case. I am sorry. I was Damn. just telling you. I was like, I wanted to keep this short, but there was so many things in the we, timeline. Not for these. Not for this girl. No, we don't. We're not going to cut out details. So she I am sorry it. for That's bringing okay. that to you. But like I said, it's so important to see, like, this is why policy is in place. This yes. is why... We, you know, go into this field only if we're passionate about it and ready yep. to do the the Which job. I, I think has been very obvious in these two hours that we're very passionate about the work that we do. For sure. <laughs> and bless those that do it. And like I said, we know so many awesome ones. So this yes. wasn't like a system yeah. bashing. That type are still of, alive. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not bashing the system, but no. I, what happened was inexcusable. Yep. 
Okay, but at the same token, there are amazing doctors and yeah. there are really shitty doctors. Yeah. Same situation. Right. Same thing. So I have a, a nice little brain bath for you. Hopefully it Thank will cleanse you. the palate. Dear God, please, full body wash yes. right now. Oh, we need a cleanser. Picture it. No, don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the conditioner. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> um, so the title of this is Fake Hitman Website Fools Woman Who, who Is Headed to Jail. Oh shit! The mu- the mug shite, mug shite, the mug shite, the mug shite. It's good. It's pretty good. We have some. Um, Show me the mug shite. We have some hair issues. Oh, we might need a leave-in oh, conditioner. Baby girl, conditioner yeah. will go a long way. Maybe you know a hot oil treatment, detangler, something. Yeah, shave <laughs> something. This is so funny though. Um, it says a real woman. Tried. A it's a real woman. It's a real woman. Flesh. It's not a plastic one. She tried to hire a hitman on a fake website. Wendy Lynn Wine, I believe, fifty-two, found. Uh oh. Found rent a hitman online and no. filled out a form asking for help killing her ex-husband. Oh, of course it's the ex-husband. She Always. is fifty-two and scorned. She's bitter. Yeah. She's like. I wasted my good years on him. Now I'm nothing but wrinkles and frizz. And he left me for a younger woman. You know he did. Yeah. Yep. This was time to make him pay. Oh, yeah. She wanted to make him pay. I see no issue here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm still trying to find the problem. Right, right. Unfortunately for wine, she, unfortunately for wine and perhaps fortunately for her ex, the site is not owned by a hitman, but compu- but a computer professional. Oh, Lord. I thought you were going to say it was the Fibby. <laughs> it's owned by the FBI. <laughs> the Fibby. <laughs> it's actually owned by professional Bob Innes, who initially launched it in 2005 to promote a hacking prevention business. Years later, he started checking the site's inbox and... <laughs> Oh God. Found a lot of disturbing requests not related to that business. Oh. Since then, he's made the site into an obvious joke. And when he gets requests, he turns them over to the police. Wow. Hers must have been like specific. Like, here's my request. Yes, exactly. Here's his name. Here's his photograph. Here's his penis size and his current address. I would like you <laughs> to arrive. <laughs> I have. I'd like to see. I feel like she was like. Oh, technology these days, it's so easy it's to find so a hitman. Blinds.com. Yes. I love it. <laughs> you don't even have to look the old-fashioned way. Right. You can just Google it. I have a joke with another friend where I'm like, where'd you get those? She's like, blinds.com. I'm like, and I thought it, I thought she was kidding. She's like, no, seriously. So then a little while later, I'm like, where'd you get those curtains? Curtains.com. I'm like, no, you fucking didn't. And she's like, no, seriously. So then I'm like, your rug is really pretty. Rugs.com. She is not even <laughs> shitting me. I was So I'm just, I love how it's just like, you know. HireHitman.com. So hitman.com. Yeah. That's so funny. Wow. So I hope, I hope that gave I us a that. little cleansing. It was, it was it was nice. I'm smelling like lavender and vanilla, and I, I like it. Good. Thank you. So uh, we hope that even after all this trauma that we put you through, that you continue to keep listening. We hope so. Write us case suggestions or funny brain baths, or even you can send us, um, this is to like our international listeners, and I love that we have so many of them. If there's a funny headline in your area, 
uh, send it to us. Please We do. will use it for Brain Buzz. We love to get material from our beautiful listeners. So crimecurious at yahoo.com or on all the social medias. On Instagram, we're crime.curious. And on Facebook, we're Crime Curious Podcast. So we also have a Twitter. You're welcome, <laughs> to, you're welcome to send us a little tweet tweet as well. And I believe we're at Curious Crime there. So, yeah, guys, keep it curious. Keep listening. And we will talk to you on Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.